everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Speak to the Beak. I am Tim the Ferds. We're coming at you midweek. It's August 3rd. So by the time you listen to this, August 4th, we're here with another divisional preview. Today, we are finishing up the NFC. We're doing the NFC East. I know a couple of you are Giants fans or Eagles fans. So you've been looking forward to this. Uh, I actually know a Cowboys fan also, and obviously my brother is a fan of the football team that resides in Washington. So hopefully this one, you know, the viewers are happy out here. Before I get to, obviously, the divisional preview, we do have some football news. Carson Wentz is injured. Quinton Nelson is injured. Uh, Jeff Gladney was released by the Vikings. So we got some things to discuss before we even get to the NFC East. Uh, But obviously before that, usual things I'm going to tell you. Go to the website, beakbrands.com. Written content is there. The podcast is there. We just started last week our 32 and 32 series. So every day you're going to get an in-depth look at a team. Fantasy nuggets there as well in case you're a fantasy football player. So uh, that's definitely good stuff. You can follow at Beak Brands on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. All our stuff is posted there basically the second it's posted on the website. So that will keep you up to date. Definitely, if you're on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, like the video, share the video. Uh, I've been uh, putting some people on here, you know, throwing some content at them. So hopefully, you know, we're getting some positive reviews there, and we are. Uh, And if you're a Spotify, Apple Podcast listener, definitely uh, check that out. Rate and review, subscribe and follow. I've heard that my voice is a little low, so we amped up the volume a little bit today. So hopefully there's no mic popping going on out here, but don't I get your feedback, all right? And I listened to it myself. It was a little low. So that's all for important news. And uh, let's get started with Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson here, even though uh, we're not doing the AFC South today. Obviously, it's notable news. Uh, Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson, according to the Twitter machine there, basically have the same exact injury. They both need foot surgery or they had foot surgery. They're out 5 to 12 weeks. Um, That's a pretty wide timetable. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that they're not back in the first 5 to 6 weeks of that. Uh, 6 weeks would put you from this recording basically opening weekend. So I doubt that either of them play that week. Uh, This is bad news for the Colts because the beginning of their schedule is really hard. Seattle, the Rams, the Titans, Miami, Baltimore, all in a row to start. Uh, Then they'll kill Houston no matter who's a quarterback. Then they get San Francisco and Tennessee again. Those are the first eight weeks of the season. They don't have their bye until week 14. Uh, So if Carson Wentz is out for closer to the 12 week than the 5 week, uh, that could be a problem for the Colts. It's a problem for me. Uh, Because I had them doing very, very well and winning that division uh, as of like five days ago. That is no longer the case because if Carson Wentz is not playing in those first couple of games, there's no chance they beat the Rams, Seahawks, and all those other teams. Uh, So that's a shame for them. Uh, There's a lot of chatter about Nick Foles potentially going to the Colts. There's not a chance they do that, if you ask me. Um, Carson Wentz... I don't know, is like mentally unstable when Nick Foles is around. 
You know, like he's already got that looming from his Philadelphia days. I think the worst thing you could do is trade for Nick Foles and be like, all right, yeah, great. We're going to put you guys back together. Woohoo. Uh, you don't think that's the answer. I guess if I were them, I'm going to go tell Philip Rivers how much money is it going to take for us to get you to stop coaching high school football, buddy. Uh, and I saw an update before on Twitter. It's about 45 minutes ago that they were interested in Philip Rivers potentially, or he was interested in, you know, not being retired. So don't know what's going to happen there. Uh, but if I'm the Colts, there's no way I'm rolling out Jacob Eason and Brett Huntley, not a chance. Um, but now you can't even run the ball with a big prowess there because Quinton Nelson, the best guard in football, is out. Uh, obviously, you know, they're still going to run the ball. I haven't seen anything or heard anything about Eric Fisher, but to me, he ruptured his Achilles in the AFC Championship game against Buffalo. So without knowing anything about his rehab status, I'm just going to say he's probably not going to play the first week because that would be some pretty quick recovery time from a ruptured Achilles because, what, what was that, January? Seven months? I don't know. I mean, he doesn't need to like explode or anything. He's not a skill position player, but still, you would like that to be stable. Uh, so the offensive line for the Colts, definitely not in great shape. So we're going to see what happens with them kind of going forward. Um, we get to the AFC South. Hopefully we have some more clarity. Uh, another piece of news here, Jeff Gladney, released by the Vikings. He was their first-round pick last year. Really wanted the Chiefs to take that guy. Uh, he had a really good year last year, all things considered, because the Vikings' defense was terrible. Um, it's a domestic violence thing. You know, I don't know why teams keep doing this. They're just like, we're just going to keep releasing these players thinking that no one's going to pick them up. Like, people are going to pick them up. That's just how it works. I mean, if you're good, they're, you're going to, you know, be on a team. The Chiefs have like three of them on their own team right now. I wouldn't be surprised if Andy Reid already posted Jeff Gladney's bail so that they could sign him and bring him to Kansas City. Um, him and Jerry Jones are probably fighting over it. Just trying to see who can bring him to their team first. So, uh, I mean, I get it. Bad PR move. The Vikings don't want to have him on the squad because of the whole uh, domestic violence thing. As a fan of a team, I say just go get him. Who cares? If he goes to prison, then you could just cut him. But that's just me. I'm not the one taking the PR hit. So just a little news there uh, in terms of the Colts as well as Jeff Gladney. Let's get to the NFC East. All right, so here we go. We're going to start with the Philadelphia Eagles. If you're new to this format, and you're probably like, what are we doing here today? We're going to give a little recap of last year, some additions and losses that play a big role, storyline for the team, game of the year on their schedule, fantasy player I like, and of course, expectations for this season. So like I said, we're going to start with the Philadelphia Eagles. Last year, not great. They had four wins, I believe, right? I could double-check that, even though I have it up. I wrote down, yeah, because they had a tie. I was going to say, I wrote down 4-11. and 11. That doesn't make sense. 4-11 and 1. Uh, lots of Jalen Hurts drama. Not only was, you know, is he going to take Carson Wentz's job, and then eventually he did take Carson Wentz's job. And then in the last game of the season, they were like, we're going to bench you for Nate Sudfeld. I don't know what Doug Peterson was doing. Doug Peterson is now gone. They, he lost his job. Uh, and obviously, like normal, the entire Eagles team was on injured reserve. So obviously, they had some turnover this season. So who did they bring in? 
Uh, Devonta Smith, wide receiver, Alabama, already injured because, of course, he is. Uh, Landon Dickerson th through the draft, also Alabama center and or guard. Uh, they really needed some help on the offensive line. He should be good for them. Last guy through the draft of note, Kenneth Gainwell, running back. I don't know why. The Eagles just can't let Miles Sanders be a thing. They also brought in Kerryon Johnson. Um, they still have Boston Scott. Like, they got super, super, you know, obnoxious heads back there in terms of running backs that are annoying for fantasy. Uh, but on the bright side, they did bring in Anthony Harris. Good safety from the Vikings. Should help the defense. In terms of defense, they lost Jalen Mills. Uh, they lost to Sean Jackson, who's not a defensive player, obviously. He went on to the Rams. I think over the past like two or three years for the Eagles, he's probably played about like five quarters, so not really a big loss. Um, Malik Jackson and Rudy Ford also jump ship. So in terms of like super high impact players, they weren't really doing that on either side of the ball. They're going to expect Devonta Smith to be their number one receiver. I just don't know if a, a guy who's like 165 pounds can hold up in the NFL. We'll see. I mean, I know he's been small his whole life, but like, even if you play at Alabama, these guys are playing in the pros are really big and scary. Uh, and he's already week to week with like a sprained MCL or something. So something to keep an eye out on there. My storyline for the Eagles basically is Jalen Hurts, the quarterback of the future. I don't know the answer to that. Uh, you can tell when you watch him, when he's on his game, he's pretty good. When he's off his game, he's basically a running back that plays quarterback. <laughs> um, I mean, he was he was lighting it up some games last year. It's just, can he get that on a consistent basis? I don't know. Can Nick Sirianni coach? I don't know. Um, the Eagles have a lot of question marks going on right now. If they were to be terrible again this year, I'm just going to assume they're taking a, another quarterback. Uh, but apparently this quarterback class coming up is not the greatest. So I don't know. Like, do you just force Jalen Hurts to work? I, I'm going to go with, yeah, I mean, I guess. Uh, you know, the offense is going to be tailored to him this year, though, which should help him. Um, and he has, like, not good, decent skill position players around him. You know, they have two tight ends as of right now, Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard. Uh, why Zach Ertz is still on the team, I have no idea, but he's there. Uh, as I mentioned before, you got about 45 different running backs that can carry the ball. Uh, you know, you got Devonta Smith if he's playing. And then you also have uh, Jalen Rieger, who they took last year, who was pretty terrible. Uh, but he was also injured. And Carson Wentz, you know, couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat lost at sea. So, I mean, is he actually bad? I have no idea. Uh, then you got other guys like Travis Fulgham and friends who are kind of just running around. I don't know if the Eagles are going to be that good this year. Because, uh, like I said, they have a ton of question marks as well as their head coach. The only thing that saves them and the rest of these teams in the NFC East is that the division is terrible. Like, hands down, easily, the worst division in football. I don't even think it's close. So, that's going to bring us to their game of the year. And I'm going to say at the Jets week 13. You're probably saying that is terrible. Um, and I'll tell you why it's not potentially terrible. Now, yes, they are both green and white, so they have the qualifications to be awful. <laughs> um, but the reason I picked at the Jets Week 13 is because you get a good gauge on your quarterback. So really, because what fans do, 
and probably what the Eagles front office is going to do as well as the Jets. Because, you know, Jalen Hurts would have had some time. Like I said, it's week 13 to kind of get into the offense. Same thing with Zach Wilson over there and the Jets. If Zach Wilson in his first year as the starter grossly outplays Jalen Hurts in that game, because both teams' defenses are not good, you're probably going to say, hey, maybe we need a quarterback. Because this guy the Jets just took out of a relatively small school uh, is lighting us up right now. And the guy we have that played at basically two huge Power 5 schools in Alabama and Oklahoma uh, can't outplay this kid. So, And it could be vice versa. I mean, we're not talking about the Jets right now. But, you know, if Jalen Hurts goes out there and shreds the Jets and he looks significantly better than Zach Wilson, you're probably going to say, hey, maybe we should just keep this guy. Zach Wilson was just a number two pick in the draft. So what are the chances we're going to upgrade over Jalen Hurts if this is what Zach Wilson looks like compared to him? Uh, so I think it's going to be a big game in the fact that both teams get to evaluate what they have. And this game might determine, you know, in the back of someone's mind, if Jalen Hurts is the quarterback of the future for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, and <laughs> if my buddy Ricky knows anything, it's that he's very frustrating to watch. So shout out, Ricky. Uh, so fantasy player on the Eagles that I like at their current ADP, which is average draft position. Uh, guess who? Jalen Hurts. <laughs> He's quarterback 13. You're probably saying, you just told me for 10 minutes that you were undecided on this guy. And I am, for real life. Uh, but for fantasy, you know, he's got the secret code to be good. He can run. He's basically a running back that qualifies as quarterback. Definitely sign me up for that. He's currently going as quarterback 13. So if you play in a 12-team league, you don't even have to draft him as your starting quarterback. You can stream him. And let's check the Eagles' schedule early on, relatively light. At Atlanta, love that. Then San Francisco, don't like that. At Dallas, love that. The Chiefs, love that. Carolina Panthers, you love that. Tampa, no thank you. Then you get the Raiders and Lions back-to-back. Then you get a stretch of a couple games where you can't use them. But then you get the Giants and the Jets back-to-back, and they have the Week 14 bye. So you can really use them in fantasy football for 80% of the team's games to start, assuming that he's not terrible. Uh, He's not going to cost you huge draft capital. He's currently going as the 97th player overall off the board. So if you're in a 10-team league, you're looking at like 9th, 10th round, you know, 12-team league, maybe a little bit earlier. But you could definitely have two running backs, three receivers, and a couple of bench guys before you even draft a quarterback. Uh, So that's why I'm going with Jalen Hurts as the fantasy player I like here. My expectations for the Eagles, I don't think it's going to be good. I don't think they're a great team. I don't know what they're doing on either side of the ball. Like they just have, they have good players, but I'm not sure where they fit in with one another. I currently have the Eagles projected to go 5-12. and 12. Uh, They do have a couple of coin flip games. You know, Carolina, Detroit, the Raiders. That could potentially flip that to, you know, seven or eight wins, maybe. Um, I just don't know if Jalen Hurts is the answer. And even if he is, I don't know if Nick Sirianni is the guy that's going to lead him there because I've never seen him coach. So uh, it's tough for me to predict their record. I'm going to go with 5-12. and 12. Would I be surprised if they won seven games? No. Would I be surprised if they won three games? Also, no. 
So I think they're going to finish towards the bottom of the barrel here. And speaking of the bottom of the barrel, it's going to lead to our next team, the New York Giants. So before we even get into anything for this preview, uh, obviously living in New York, you got a lot of football updates from the Jets and the Giants. Giants had a big fight at practice. I wish there was video of it. I live for training camp fights. It's a great time. Joe Judge made the team run 100-yard sprints. Love that. Treat them like 14-year-old high school kids. Uh, and then put them on the goal line to do push-ups. He dismissed the coaches and then basically ripped the team a new one. Love it. I mean, kind of. <laughs> uh, you know, as a, I'm not a Giants fan, and a lot of Giants fans really like Joe Judge. I just don't know how long you could keep that act up of being like the dictator there, but I get it. He's trying to set a culture. Uh, and, I mean, listen, they responded last year. They played really well, so I'm sure the players like them. I think it's more of a respect thing. I was reading on Twitter that the fight ended up with, like, Daniel Jones in a pile, and that just can't happen, where the franchise quarterback, even if he's terrible or potentially not good, you, you just can't be fighting with the quarterback. I'll just tell you that right now. So this is a little Giants training camp update for you. Speaking of last year's Giants, though, they were pretty bad, 6-10, and 10, but they somehow still had a chance to win the division because everybody else was equally as bad. Uh, and I know the Giants were a little bit salty about what the Eagles did uh, with the benching of Jalen Hurts. So I'm curious to see what happens the first time the Giants play the Eagles, uh, which, let's check the schedule here, is week number 12. So it's pretty late in the year. Uh, but still, let's see if they uh, get on that from last season. They brought in some pretty high-profile names. Kenny Galladay. I mean, obviously, great contested ball receiver from the Lions. He was Matt Stafford's go-to for a few years there. Signed with the Giants for big money. They brought in John Ross and Zach Fulton. Okay, I mean, John Ross, field stretcher. I don't even know if he's going to make the team. I just really like speed players. Uh, Reggie Ragland, ex-chief. Uh, good two-down linebacker. Really good at stopping the run. Uh, so he should be able to help the Giants there, especially with uh, Washington and Dallas looking to run the ball a ton. They picked up Kyle Rudolph, who was released from the Vikings. So now they have a tight end that can actually catch the ball. Um, and then Adoree Jackson, same thing, released from Tennessee, but he's a corner. Uh, he's been kind of up and down throughout his career, but the Giants need some help in the secondary, so it makes sense. Uh, they lost Kevin Zeitler and Dalvin Tomlinson. Two guys on both sides of the line, so I never really like losing the big dudes up front. Uh, we talked about Tomlinson for the Vikings last week. He's a good player. Uh, Zeitler now plays for Baltimore, I believe. Uh, so, you know, not great, but they brought in some guys to offset that. Talk about Kenny Galladay for a second. Apparently in practice, he pulled up, held his hamstring immediately. That's never a good sign. Uh, so this is going to go one of two ways. One... He's just not going to play for 8 to 10 weeks, and they'll be smart and rest him. Uh, choice number two, which is probably more likely, is they'll sit him for like five or six weeks. He'll come back too early. He won't be full speed. He'll play two or three games. He'll re-injure his hamstring, and then we won't see him till week 11 or 12. I hope for his sake they take, his, they take their time on it. But, you know, NFL teams are dying to get these guys out there. Uh, he was their big, like, prized free agent signing. So I'm just assuming they're going to want him out there as soon as possible. Um, but for the Giants this season, a little storyline here, not Kenny Galladay related, is kind of the same thing 
that the Eagles storyline is, which is this is a make-or-break year for Daniel Jones. Now, I do think Jalen Hurts has more time than Daniel Jones, uh, but for me, this is, this is it for Daniel Jones because uh, there's a couple of things that could factor off this. Number one, if he's terrible, obviously you need a quarterback, and two, Dave Gettleman, see you later, buddy. That's the end of the road for you. Um, I don't know what his deal is as general manager. He kind of just does his own thing. You can kind of predict Dave Gettleman picks. I didn't really like Daniel Jones when they drafted him. I didn't like Daniel Jones his first year playing. I didn't like Daniel Jones last year. I don't like Daniel Jones now. He just he just felt underwhelming to me. Like his ceiling was like Alex Smith, which you can't be taking that high in the draft. Um, but this has Dave Gettleman's name attached to it. And unfortunately for Giants fans, because this could happen, Dave Gettleman gets fired. They bring in a new GM. He wants his own head coach. Joe Judd's loses his job, potentially. And this is when teams start, you know, spiraling downhill quick. The quarterback costs the GM his job. They get a new GM. That costs the then head coach his job. But the players and the fans like the head coach. He brings in his own head coach. That doesn't work. And now you're just spinning the tires doing absolutely nothing. So this is a big year for the Giants franchise. And it's basically all on Daniel Jones' shoulders. So I'm sure he'll thrive in the pressure there. Uh, and that's going to lead me, the storyline, to the game of the year, which is I couldn't pick one, so I picked two, and they're back-to-back. At Miami, at the Chargers, week 13 and 14. Probably saying, why why those games? Well, because kind of similar thing with Jalen Hurts and Zach Wilson, you can compare Daniel Jones to Tua and Daniel Jones to Justin Herbert in those games. Now, the Dolphins and Chargers defense are much better than the Giants defense, so... Daniel Jones is fighting an uphill battle here. But we saw Tua last year. Guy looked awful. So if you go out there week 13 and Daniel Jones looks a lot better than Tua, you probably feel pretty good about yourself because you're like, hey, that guy was a top five pick also, and he's terrible. And I think the Dolphins are a better team overall than the Giants. Uh, But the big problem is going to be when you go to play the Chargers because Justin Herbert is going to look better than Daniel Jones, in my opinion. Uh, So then the Giants have a decision to make, right? If he looks better than Tua but not better than Herbert, you're kind of stuck like we would need to be, you know, really, really bad for us to upgrade a quarterback the way we would like. Uh, If Tua looks better than he does and Herbert blows him away, then it's an easy decision. You know, this is not our guy. We need to draft a quarterback. And once again, see a Dave Gettleman. So what does that mean, right? Because obviously I don't trust Daniel Jones in terms of players on, you know, the Giants that I would take in fantasy football. So at the top, you got Saquon Barkley, Kenny Galladay. No thank you to either one of them at their current ADP. Now I get it, Barkley, a lot of volume. He's explosive, all that. Coming off a torn ACL, don't love the offense. They might limit his touches. It's a little scary for me in the first round. Um, if he falls to the back end of the first round, I'd be willing to take him. Uh, but the guy I'm going to go with for PPR leagues is Sterling Shepard. He's going as wide receiver 67, overall player 189. He plays in the slot. I just always liked him. I don't know why. Like I feel like he should get the ball more often than he does. Obviously, Kenny Galladay, if he's healthy, is going to take coverage away from the slot. They drafted Kadarius Toney, which I didn't understand. But all right, he's going to play. I'm not sure if he's any good. 
You got Darius Slayton, who only runs two routes. So he's not going to eat into Sterling Shepard's workload there. You know, I don't know. I just feel like that could be a guy with upside. The Giants don't have a ton of usable fantasy players. So that's kind of where we're going with the Giants. Uh, expectations for them. Once again, not great. Uh, I currently have them slated for five or six wins. You look at the schedule. Obviously, it's very similar to the Eagles. You got a couple of coin flip games that could go either way, such as the Denver Broncos, the Panthers, the Raiders, Miami. Obviously, you get your divisional games two times apiece. Uh, you know, they play the Bears Week 17, which could potentially be tough, depending on if Justin Fields is good. So, I mean, the Giants, another team fighting an uphill battle there. I uh, have them missing the playoffs. This is a team I would be surprised if they won eight games because I am not a Daniel Jones believer. So just wanted to throw that out there. So that leaves us with two teams left in this division. You got Washington and you got Dallas. We're going to do Dallas first because they're on hard knocks. So what happened last year? could sum this up pretty quickly. Dak got injured. Season was over right then and there. Uh, but on top of that, the defense was actually dreadful. Like, real bad. Uh, so they fired Mike Nolan, who shouldn't have even had a job in the first place. They brought in Dan Quinn, who, if you watch the Falcons' defense, is they were also not good, but it's got to be an upgrade over what they just had. Uh, He's also going to go to a 4-3, I believe, which is what Dallas should be playing most of the time. Um, but I have to double-check that. I'm going to get that mixed up. I know it, so don't flame me. But he's going to go back to the scheme they were running before Mike Nolan got to Dallas. Who did they add? Basically nobody. So they drafted Micah Parsons, who should help them linebacker, give a little pass rush as well. He's a solid tackler. He's a good player. Uh, their other addition is that Dak is back. But we have some Dak injury news. So they took it light with his ankle the first day or two of practice. Oh, right. And then he hasn't thrown in four or five days now with something going on in his shoulder. He's got like a strained muscle or they want to rest him. It's a little precautionary. See, that worries me. If I was a Cowboys fan, that would worry me. We just got back to practice, and this guy has two separate lingering ailments, um, and he hasn't even participated in a padded practice, as far as I know. And even if he did, you can't hit him anyway. You just invested a ton of money in this guy. So, you know, it's just a little scary. It makes me a little bit nervous. If I was a Cowboys fan, I'd be a little nervous about that. Um, who did the Cowboys lose? They lost a lot of guys. So Andy Dalton's gone. Good backup quarterback. He's now in Chicago. Sean Lee retired. Blake Bell, the belldozer, back in Kansas City. God bless. We needed a blocking tight end. Uh, Cam Irving left. He's with the Panthers. Alden Smith jumped ship and then promptly got arrested. Not surprised. Tyron Crawford retired. Xavier Woods went to the Vikings, I believe. And Wouzier signed with Cincinnati, I want to say. So they lost, like, a lot of name brand players um how much they impacted the team varied but that's a decent amount of turnover for a dallas team now luckily for them most of it's on defense and their defense was terrible to begin with so i mean it can't get much worse uh their offense should be just fine but just another note here uh Mari cooper had another ankle foot surgery thing in the offseason what's going to happen with that i don't know but just wanted to throw that out there so my storyline for the Cowboys, 
is can Mike McCarthy actually coach, right? So we thought all this time in Green Bay, it was like, hey, this guy's a great coach. And when he got fired, a lot of Jets fans here, trust me, I would know, uh, wanted Mike McCarthy to be the head coach of the Jets as opposed to Adam Gase. Now, were they wrong? Probably not because Adam Gase was a disaster. But, you know, after Mike McCarthy's last couple of years in Green Bay and that was first year in Dallas heading into year two, it kind of looks like Aaron Rodgers was the guy just propping him up, making him look good. Uh, so I guess we'll know this year if Mike McCarthy is actually good or not at his job. Uh, he claims he would like to run the ball and be balanced. We'll see what happens. I mean, obviously with Zeke, CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, you got Blake Jarwin's back. You got a ton of dudes at skill position players that can play. You know, it's it's going to come down to their defense. That's just what it's going to be. If their defense is good, they'll be good. If their defense is bad like it was last year, it's hard to be balanced because you can't stop anybody. Um, which is going to lead me to my game of the year for them. Look at this. Good at the solo person transition here. Uh, so what's the game of the year? Week 9 against Denver. A great, great defensive team in the Denver Broncos with a minuscule offense versus a great, great offensive team in the Dallas Cowboys with a defense that is to be determined, good or bad. I'm leaning to start towards bad. By week week nine, they might have it figured out, but I like matchups where it's like strength on strength because you really get to see, like, is it scheme-driven? Is it because of the players? Is it both? Are they really like this offensive powerhouse? You know what I mean? Because, um, listen, it's very possible that the Cowboys get dominated up front by Denver, and then it's just like, you know, you don't have the meat and potatoes, so to speak, to do anything in the playoffs. Like You just have fancy guys at skill positions, so you're basically playing flag football or seven-on-seven is what you're doing. Um, and if you're Denver, this will give you a good gauge because – you got to play Kansas City twice a year. You got to play the Chargers twice a year. And obviously, between those two teams alone, you got Tyree Kill, Kelsey, Clyde Edwards Alaire, McCole Hardman, Keenan Allen, who's one of the best receivers in the league, dude, super underrated. Austin Eckler. Obviously, the Chargers have Herbert. So, like, Mike Williams. So, if you could slow down Dallas, who has a ton of guys, you should be able to slow down, in theory, the Chiefs and Chargers. Um,. Who might, well, Mahomes is definitely better than Dak. Herbert, I guess, is to be determined, even though I really like what I saw last year from him. So that's my game of the year for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, a fantasy player I like from their team. So this was hard to pick someone because if you want anyone on the Cowboys, they're basically all going inside the top 50. Zeke, Lamb, Cooper, Dak are all going super high. Gallup's going in like the top 80 to 85, even though he did nothing last year. So by default, I could either just pick a tight end because there are none and Blake Jarwin, or I'm going to go with Tony Pollard, and that's my choice. He's going as running back 41, player 126 off the board as of this recording. Why Tony Pollard? I tend to be on the side of this where Zeke is heading downhill. He has a lot of work on his body. He doesn't look like the same guy. When you watched the Cowboys last year, you could tell that Pollard just looked better. You know, I'm not a scout, I'm not a general manager, but when you watch the game, you're like, that guy is more explosive than that guy, so why is he not playing more? Um, I don't think Pollard's that kind of running back that can handle an entire workload 
onto himself. But instead of giving him, you know, five to seven touches a game, maybe up it from nine to 11 or 12. Um, and obviously, if Zeke goes down, you have like the premier top 10 handcuff in terms of he's going to shoot all the way up to a mid to high end running back one. So Tony Pollard is definitely my choice there. Um, and expectations, I have them currently just missing the playoffs going eight and nine. They could go nine and eight. I mean, there's a couple of games that are going to be coin flips, just like the other teams. It's, it's pretty much against the same teams. Um, you know, the Chargers, the Panthers, they should beat them, though. You know, the Broncos, the Raiders, same, the, the Cardinals lose boys from last year. So, I mean, you should have people, or teams, excuse me, that you should beat. And that's going to make or break their season to me. Let's get to the last team. You're probably saying, well, he's three teams so far not in love with. I ain't in love with this team either. But <laughs> someone's got to win the division. So the Washington football team, silly name. They won the division last year despite starting like four or five different quarterbacks. You know, you had Dwayne Haskins, who was terrible. You had Kyle Allen, who was terrible. You had Alex Smith on one leg. You had Taylor Heineke, or Tyler Heineke, whatever that his name is, who actually balled in that playoff game against the Buccaneers. Um... They went 7-9, and nine, still made the playoffs. That's how terrible the division is. Like I said, they lost in the first round. Um, but here we go. They made some moves this offseason. They brought in Ryan Fitzmagic, ready to go at quarterback, potentially, him or Heineke. They brought in William Jackson, probably the most underrated corner in the league. Um, and between now him, they still have Fuller as well. Secondary is not amazing, but it's definitely improved. They also brought in Daryl Roberts, good slot corner, depth, like that. Uh, Curtis Samuel followed Ron Rivera from Carolina to Washington. Never been a big Curtis Samuel guy. He's just like store brand Percy Harvin. Um, and they already have store brand Percy Harvin and J.D. McKissick, so why they need a second one, I don't know. But I guess that's just the offense they want to run. They brought in Charles Leno from Chicago. Eric Flowers is back. They made a trade with Miami. So they really tried to bolster the offensive line after uh, Morgan Moses said, see you later. Um, guys they lost. Obviously, Alex Smith. Glad he even came back to play. I cringed every time I watched it. Glad he's not playing anymore. Long time. Then Redskin and now football team member. Uh, Ryan Kerrigan left. Jeremy Sprinkle, fan favorite. I know he's a fan favorite in my house. Like I said, my brother is a big Washington fan. Uh, anytime Jeremy Sprinkle does anything, it was exciting. Uh, he's gone. Ronald Darby jumped ship. He went to Denver. Um, so there was, a, like, you know, like every other team, a lot of turnover. But I really like what Washington did in the offseason. Obviously, they had a draft picks too. But, I mean, how much time could you possibly have here? Uh, their first-round linebacker, though, I've heard on Twitter, killing it at training camp. So just something to watch out for because our linebacking core is pretty weak. Um. So, let's get to a storyline. What are we thinking here? I'm going to go with, can a young defense carry a veteran quarterback to the playoffs? I don't know. We're going to find out. Now, they did make the playoffs last year, basically on the back of the defense. Their front four is ridiculous, right? You got Chase Young. You got Jonathan Allen. You got Payne. You got Matt Ioannidis still. 
You got Montez Sweat. Like, they have dudes for days up front. I mean, Jonathan Allen just got a massive contract uh, from Washington. So, I mean, it's going to be tough to really, if you get behind in a game against Washington, it's going to be tough to throw the ball because they have a lot of good pass rushers. It's also tough to run up the middle on them, just saying. The rest of the defense, though, is still relatively young. Outside of corner, I guess. They have some veteran leadership there. The defense is going to need to carry them because you know, as well as I know, Ryan Fitzpatrick will make mistakes in games or in stretches of games. Uh, that's just what he does. He'll win you two or three games by himself where you should have lost, and he'll lose you two or three games that you should have won. So it's going to be up to the defense to carry them. And like I said, you play in a weak division. The defense should win you both games against Philly, in theory. The defense should win you both games against the Giants, in theory. If the defense can shut down the Cowboys, or at least contain them, and you can run the ball and beat them that way, you're looking at going 5-1 and or 6-0 and in your division. And if you do that, you're basically making the playoffs like as a lock. So, I mean, those divisional games this year are going to be huge. And just something to note with their schedule... Uh, it's like very strange. The end of their schedule is all divisional games. You got Dallas, Philly, Dallas, Philly, and New York all in a row to wrap it up. So, I mean, if the division is close going into week 14, that's when they play Dallas for the first time, it's going to get wild out here. And I'm totally here for it. So, what's their game of the year, you're probably asking? Week 6 against the Chiefs, week 7 against the Packers. Really good gauge to where you're at if you're a young defense. Because if you go out there and you make life difficult for Pat Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers, you're on the right track. You probably have a Super Bowl defense. If you go out there and get absolutely lit up by the Chiefs and the Packers, you're probably like, all right, we're a great to good defense, but not like the 2000 Ravens. We're not there yet. Um, I think the Chiefs can give them more problems than the Packers because... Washington does not have a coverage safety or linebacker, which means Kelsey is going to eat. Um, and it, it doesn't really matter how good your front four is because Mahomes is just going to do stuff he should not be doing. Um, Green Bay's offense is more built off the run game, which Washington's pretty good at stopping. Uh, and you basically just have to put your whole team on Devontae Adams. And I'm obviously making this sound a lot easier than it actually is. But I think that Kelsey mismatch is going to be a problem for Washington. So we'll see how they, you know, uh, react to that there. Fantasy player I like for Washington, J.D. McKissick, smooches, baby. Running back 46, he's going as player 139 overall. Um, they basically only have two viable options. You got Terry McLaurin, you got Antonio Gibson. They're both going in the top, like, 25 players overall. The reason I like McKissick is twofold. Number one, he gets all the passing down works. If you're in a PPR league, he's going to be good for you. And number two, uh, you know, Gibson had a little foot thing going on last year. And according to Medical Fantasy Twitter out, out there, this might, may or may not be a lingering issue. I'm not a doctor. I don't know. But it's not just one person saying it. So, I, you know, if I'm an Antonio Gibson owner in fantasy football, you know, you probably could use some J.D. McKissick in your life. Just throwing that out there. And, you know, Washington wants to run the ball a lot. Uh, what's my expectation for them? 
I currently have them winning the division at 9-8. and eight. Do I feel confident about that? Absolutely not. Um, I have them playing the 49ers in the first round as of right now, and that is not good for them. Because you cannot run the ball on the 49ers, and you're basically going to ask Ryan Fitzpatrick to save the day in a playoff game. I don't know if I'm ready to do that. Obviously, that's not set in stone. Could the Cowboys win the division at 9-8? and eight? Of course they could. Uh, like I said, it's going to come down to the end there. So that's what we got for the NFC East. Before I preview uh, you know, next week's episode, like I said before, to start every show, go to the website, beakbrands.com. 32 and 32 series is there. Fantasy Baseball Waiver Wire column is there. The podcast is there. Check it out. Follow at Beak Brands on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We post stuff there as well. You know, if you're on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, like the video, share the page, etc. And if you're an Apple listener or a Spotify listener, definitely subscribe or follow the feed. So when we release a new episode, you get an update on it. Um, and definitely share with a friend if you like what's going on here. So after, you know, 40-ish minutes of football talk, next week we're going to be out here starting with the AFC. We're going back out west, so sorry Jets fans, you're just going to have to wait. Uh, So we're going to start with the AFC West and my team, the Kansas City Chiefs. Go Chiefs, go. Um, And then we'll kind of make our rounds all the way back, coming east, until we get to the AFC East, talk about the Jets, Bills, and Friends. It's currently August 3rd. You got about a month, one, two, three, four, until the first week of the NFL season. It's about five weeks away. So we're really getting there. The Hall of Fame game is coming up, so we get to watch some scrubs play football, but, you know, I'm here for it. Uh, Things you love to see. So until next week, I'm out of here.